you can tell, today is a special Sunday, and we are really excited. Um, it's going to look different than it normally does because we have some special guests here today um, that I have the privilege of introducing. Um, we have been on this church planting journey since 2015, I think, is when we started. And it's quite the journey. Can I just say, it's been a long journey full of, of twists and turns that I'd never seen, ups and downs. And along the way, we have met some just wonderful people. And so today we get to share some, some of our, those wonderful people with you today. Um, we met Jared and Laura King through Kairos. So Kairos was a church planning organization that we initially started working with um, so that Mike and I could have some help along the way and some training on what church planting looked like and, and how to go about it. And uh, so we met Laura and Jared early on in 2015. Laura was working, uh, both of them were connected to Kairos, but Laura was working with Kairos. So she actually worked with us closely as we were setting up finances and figuring out how to do that as, uh, as a, a new church. And um, as we got to know them, realized that Laura and Jared uh, were really excited about church planting, and God had called them to go to Seattle and start a new church in Seattle. We're like, what? We're we're Washington, too. (laughs) So immediately there was that uh, really strong connection, and we've gotten to know them quite well. Um, As a church, at the Vine Church, we start from the very beginning, we wanted to be a church plant that supported other church plants. Uh, our goal wasn't to just get super big ourselves, but rather to support the this kingdom-minded um, mission work locally here, starting churches for new people in new places. And so, uh, for the last five years ish, I don't I don't know exactly how many years, uh, the Vine Church, you guys, this community has been helping to support uh, Missio Church that Jared and Laura have started in Seattle. So today we get to hear more about uh, about this church plant, and we'd like to know a little bit more about you guys, too. Yeah. Start off by introducing yourself. You've got family here with you. Just tell us tell us who you are. Yeah, um, Jared again, and Laura, and our kids, Sydney and uh, Cyrus and uh, Jade. I almost forgot the names already, oh and Gabriel, <laughs> but there they are. Um, I should have done this introduction, sorry. shouldn't I have? <laughs> I'll just take the mic now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, as, as a missionary kid, um, I promised their kids, I will not bring you up on stage because I have been there, done that. That is not the goal. So, yes. So today we wanted to get to know them a little bit better as a partner church, uh, as someone that you and we are uh, getting to partner with and support. And so uh, a lot of today is just going to be getting to know the two of you a little bit better. So we'll do a little interview stuff. At the end, I will share a bit of a message, I think, that flows out of this conversation and a, and a passage that we can consider together as well. But why don't you start by telling a little little bit about the origins, about childhood. Did you grow up in church? Uh, where did this spark of missions begin? in your life? Uh, well, for me, um, it definitely started with my family of origin. Uh, my parents actually started Kairos Church Planting, um, and they were very much, faith was what drove decisions and, and their life, whether it was actually doing full-time ministry or doing another occupation, faith was where uh, really the driving factor, and they really um, taught that to me. So I grew up in Kenya uh, as a missionary kid, 
and then about had a, had a decade or so where my dad was a college professor and my mom was a nurse practitioner. And that's when um, my dad started to, to see all of his students not having a place uh, to call their, their church family, their community, and leaving the faith. And, and that's when he got the call to start Kairos. Um, and that's, that kind of um, direction by, by faith was definitely very much instilled in, in my life uh, in a way that has carried on into our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I grew up in Portland, and my f- whole family went to the same church, uh, extended family and everything, went to a Christian school. But uh, unlike Laura's heritage of faith, that wasn't really something that was anything, it wasn't very deep for me. Uh, it wasn't until college that I kind of really started pursuing faith on my own um, and kind of with Laura alongside trying to kind of help me along the way as well. Um, yeah, that's where kind of that desire for pursuing something else in life, faith-oriented, really started. So tell us a little bit more about Missio Church and God's calling um, to church planting and just what that journey has looked like for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. Uh, calling is an interesting word. I think sometimes we think of calling as like the Monty Python uh, scene where God comes out of the clouds and is like, go find the Holy Grail. And it tends to not be that a lot of the time. I feel like sometimes it's like little smaller moments that kind of accumulate where you go, this is what God is leading us to. And for us, I think there's been a lot of those moments, but two, I think in particular for us that we've identified, one is a lot of the people that we grew up going to school with or in our churches and our youth groups uh, started leaving church and leaving faith altogether uh, once we went all to college. Um, and that was kind of, it, we, all, we often would hear them say things like, there's not a church for us. Uh, where can we belong? Where do we f- have a place? Um, and that really hit home with us. We just kind of stuck with that. Um, that stuck with us. But I think the other thing, the second real like identifiable moment was uh, in May, actually, of 2010, uh, my brother, who had struggled for a long time with drug addiction, uh, died suddenly in a, in a room that he was renting uh, in, down in Vancouver, Washington. And one of the things that really was difficult knowing that was that he didn't have anybody around him. He died alone uh, in a room by himself, and uh, he wasn't the guy that a lot of churches wanted and that kind of hurt. <laughs> um, and so kind of two things that we kind of have identified that God was really like, this is what we he wants us to do. Is I think he wanted us to start a place where people could find home, find family, and belong in a place no matter what their story was. But not only that, like they, I think God was asking us to notice the hurting and suffering in our cities. And hurting and suffering doesn't just mean drug addiction and those kinds of things. It often means people who have had questions of faith rejected or not allowed to ask. And we wanted to start a place where people could find a place where they could ask those questions and be be a part of a family uh, when they didn't have it. So that was kind of our calling, and that's kind of where we've really tried to stay true to what God has called us to. Anything else? Tell us a little bit about what's unique about the neighborhood and the context in which you're planting Missio Church. Um, well, I've, I feel like I 
if, when people think of Seattle, there's a few things that kind of come to mind, but a couple of the big ones are just the extreme wealth of the city. I mean, some of the most wealthiest men on the planet live in Seattle. Uh, but then also, uh, very opposite from that, they think of homelessness. And that's just such an interesting dichotomy for us to try to hold. And I feel like where we are, a lot of the churches in Seattle aren't actually in Seattle. They move out to the suburbs um, because it's just a lot easier, honestly. Um, and it, it makes sense in a lot of ways, but that leaves a big open a big need. And so we intentionally wanted to plant within Seattle. So we're in North Seattle and where we are really reflects that um, weird dichotomy where we're at a, a neighborhood music center that we rent out on Sundays and on the street where we turn on, there was a homeless camp that just recently got cleaned out. And I don't know if anyone is familiar with Seattle and Aurora or 99. That's the street that's like when you have people that come and visit, you say, don't go down that street. You're going to see things you don't want to see. So that's right. That's when you look one way, you see that. And then when you look a different direction, you see just the old uh, houses that are just big and beautiful. And it's just such an interesting space to be. Um, and so that's kind of the thing, what we're working with is trying to balance these two different um, really world views held within a, a single place. And I think where that we've seen that as a part of Missio and um, and just our neighborhood is that uh, most of Missio is made up of de-churched people. So people who have maybe had some church experience at some point in their life, um, but have not in the recent past uh, until they became a part of Missio. And, and that's because Either A, they're part of the more wealthy more or software engineering, and they've just honestly thought themselves out of Christianity, or they've been told they don't belong uh, kind of on the other side. And so that's where kind of the, the commonality between those two things um, is this lack of, of faith community, which is really uh, what Missio is, is made up of. So tell us a little bit more about... Um how, where you've experienced the most challenge in in this journey, because we know that that church planting is not for the faint of heart. We we we've experienced that. So, what has been some of the most challenging things for you guys? Yeah. Um, so there was a global pandemic. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware. Um, oh, okay, okay. I was curious if it happened. Um, yeah. So that was really hard. Uh, we'd say. We tell people that Seattle was one of the first cities in the nation to enter into restrictions and one of the last cities to leave them. So realistically, we started in April of 2018, and it was less than two years later that we went online <laughs> and didn't meet together. And then we spent more than our lifetime in COVID. So we were about two and a half years of being on YouTube, um, and then when we were starting to be able to meet, like, in person, but not indoors, we went to, we had two different parks that we were meeting in, and then we had two different backyards of people's homes that we were meeting in, and then finally we were, after uh, 10 months of that, we were meeting in a hotel ballroom, and then a cafe, and then now finally in our music center. So uh, we met in eight different locations in one year, which was hard. Um, but mostly for me, the, the challenge of like, I had all the rhythms of, of like ministry kind of 
laid out, and I like the boots on the ground kind of thing, and that was all taken away. Um, and so I remember calling up a friend of mine in Rhode Island, just telling him, like, look, man, I don't know if I'm built to do this. I don't know how I'm supposed to lead a church through something that hasn't been around ever in our lifetime for sure. And that was a really, really difficult season. Um, I would say the most challenging that we've experienced. However, I think good things came out of it. That's my lead into your next questions. <laughs> what is our next question? You know, I can relate, Jared. Uh, we, we tell people we're not sure uh, if we're a seven-year-old church plant or a two-year-old church plant. We're kind of both right now because uh, that was such a disruption, um, not just in the faith community, in, in, in every uh, workplace and community. Um, so, yes, the follow-up question then is, from the challenges you've experienced, also, where have you seen God's hand most clearly in the journey that you've been on? Well, isn't it just like God to do give us the challenging things to actually be the most blessed things? Um, so that that really, as we were thinking of of these questions, um, the pandemic was so hard and really truly the biggest blessing that we could have asked for. Honestly, as a church, um, it really allowed us to give. I mean, the pandemic, I don't know if y'all felt this here. It was, it created a time where everyone started asking questions of, of just about everything. I mean, there was, um, justice issues and, and politics and Christianity and, and health. And it was just like, let's just start like rethinking things. Um, and a lot of people really were struggling with these big questions that the pandemic kind of forced them to ask and think through. And um, that was really what ministry looked like for us during that season was providing the space for people to have faith questions and not to get the answers because we didn't know all the answers, but to say, yeah, that's a great question. Let's pursue that together. And I joke with Jared that he had like 10 books on his shelf that was like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, we're reading this book together because they're asking questions about this. And, and he was reading all these books with these different people, which they only ever made it like two chapters in. <laughs> but that wasn't the point. The point was for someone to be like, oh, I, I can ask a question. That's okay. That doesn't make me a doubter. That doesn't make me an unbeliever. That doesn't make me weak. I can, I can oh, okay. And then a lot of them, I would say, didn't come up with any of their answers. What they came up with was was faith which is I mean that's exactly what faith is faith isn't knowing the answers that's it's literally the opposite of that I mean um, and so that the pandemic really allowed us to lead our people through a deep journey of faith as individuals and then also as a church in a way that we we came out really a lot more unified than we had been before just knowing who we were um, not feeling the angst of oh are we going to make it but just like of course we're going to make it because this isn't about can we make Sundays happen. This is about we're a community on a journey together and whatever that looks like, that's that's what we are. Um, and so I think we really came out just in a much better place on the other end. So. As I listen to you guys describe your journey and, and what you're, you're trying to create with um, Misio as you listen to God is um, – the word spaciousness comes to mind, that you're creating space, holding space for, for different people to ask questions and people who wouldn't normally 
mingle, who wouldn't normally come together, get to come together in one place revolving around um, Jesus and asking questions of what does faith look like. And that's one of the things I so appreciate about what you guys are doing in, in, uh, in Seattle and your heart for uh, what church community can look like. Like it can be that spacious, it can be that welcoming, you can have that sense of belonging to a community of people who are very different than you, and, and we need more of that, so thank you. One, one follow-up thing, um, we didn't get to talk at all about the campus ministry that you guys partner with, uh, and, and that's a part of Missio. You want to just briefly describe that, because I think that might spark some yeah, excitement we, in us. Yeah. yeah, we have um, a couple that moved about a year and a half after we got there uh, to start a campus ministry um, in a very different way than campus ministry has typically been done. Um, and so it's very much not attractional. They don't have like uh, the, the, the space on campus. And so um, they've just been... Oh, yes. At University of Washington, by the way. Um, and so... Um, it's a it's a difficult place, but what people what they've been finding is just that the hunger um, for uh, again family. Like it's funny that we assume that college students don't want family because they just left their family, um, but I think that they actually are super hungry for that too. Um, and so over the last few years, they they do discipleship groups on campus, and they they do their friends givings the same Sunday we do our friends giving and. And it's just a really been a beautiful partnership. Um, and so right now they have about 20 students that they've created this cool leadership team with. And uh, they're just seeing a lot of um, really neat fruit, I think, in that on campus. So as we, it's, it's so good, by the way, to hear from you guys and for everyone to get to hear your story and what you're doing there. As we continue to partner, we're wondering what are ways in which we can be praying together mm-hmm. with you and for you. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always things to pray for. You know, we are still really trying to figure out what um, it looks like to be in our neighborhood that we are in. We've been there for a year and a half now, um, but it's it's a little bit different from where we moved from. And so uh, we are still trying to figure out how to embed within that community in really uh, significant ways. Um, also, next summer, Laura and I are actually going on a sabbatical. Uh, we've been living in Seattle for nine years, and so we're stepping out for about a month and a half. And so it'll be an interesting season for our church to kind of step up and take on a lot of those leadership things there. So you can be praying for that. Um, we have so many children running around our space, and so we're like trying to figure out how we you know, be family for these kids. And there's just a lot of these things that are super exciting, but then we're just going, what are we going to do now? How do we do this? How, let's figure this out. Um, so there's just a lot. Anything else for the word? Um, not really adding to the prayer request. I just wanted to say as we're kind of wrapping up, um, just how grateful we are to be here with all of you guys. Um, I'm sure you know this, but Micah and Sarah are just amazing. And we have been blessed so much um, from you guys and we kind of feel like y'all are actually like our, our big sister church that you know y'all kind of started a, a few years ahead of us and it's been such a blessing to watch you guys and to connect with Micah and Sarah and just ask questions and hear about what you're doing. Um, we were actually at the launch of the Vine too. Uh, we had just moved up uh, to Seattle a few months before that and so we got to be there on that special day with, for you guys which was so neat. 
Um, but we just really, um, we really love you guys and what you're doing. I actually stalk you guys. I'm a part of the, uh, I'm a part of your, like, the private Facebook group. So if you ever see a random, you're not, I know. <laughs> when you see a random person posting, that's me. But I love seeing the posts about the garden and just, we just love everything you're doing. And we're so excited to be here with you guys. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, let us pray for you guys uh, while we have this opportunity. God, we are thankful for all that you are doing uh, in our lives, in our communities, and we're so thankful to hear from the kings and about the work that, God, you are accomplishing in Seattle and their beautiful partnership in it. And God, we pray your blessings on them as they look towards the future, as they adapt, as things change, as they get to know a new neighborhood. Uh, God, we pray your blessings and your guidance. Spirit, we invite you to lead uh, them as as they lead for others. Um, God, we pray a special blessing on their family, uh, just for uh, opportunity for increased knowledge of your love and presence that motivates the kind of work they're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So I want to take the last couple minutes we have today to ask this question. Uh, what does missions look like in your life, right? Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting question. It, it might feel a little bit loaded because here we are, a couple of families that have been called to church planting, and you're like, no, I work at an engineering firm, right? It looks different, but it's an important question for each of us to be asking. Uh, what does it look like uh, to live on mission in your life today. Now, if any of you have uh, grown up in church and, and been a part of teams and committees, there was probably at your church a missions committee, right? And that missions committee oversaw a budget and doled out money to overseas missions, maybe had a missionary uh, on staff at the church that was working overseas. My understanding of missions has grown a lot over the years. When I was 17 years old, graduating high school, missions w was the word on my mind. I knew I was called to missions, and I thought that meant I had to move across the ocean to Africa. And so I went to Botswana for a summer. And ironically, it was in halfway around the world that God opened my eyes uh, to understand that missions doesn't just take place overseas when you leave your home, but it does, it ought to be taking place right in our neighborhoods and our communities in which we grew up. Missions is a universal thing. It happens in all of our neighborhoods and in all of our lives. Jared alluded to a similar point uh, earlier as he was talking. Uh, Moses received a really direct calling, right? The, the Monty Python sort of calling. Uh, Moses received a super direct calling and he bucked against it. Our calling to church planting uh, was must, much less direct uh, than Moses' calling, yet directly from God. It became so apparent what God was inviting us to. And my prayer for us today, we're going to look at a passage and, and speak for just a few minutes about this idea of missions in each of our lives. My prayer for us today is that we would each hear, not necessarily as direct a calling as, as Moses received, but that we would hear directly from God that we would be receiving direction in life, that we would be invited to follow the Spirit as the Spirit leads in our lives. Now, we uh, we just concluded, 
over nine months, close to a year, studying through the Gospel of John. Uh, this account in which one of Jesus' apostles, one of his closest followers, laid in his life, sat down to write an account of everything he experienced with Jesus and who he came to understand Jesus to be. And towards the end of uh, our time in John, we find uh, Peter, uh, one of Jesus' closest followers, uh, having rejected Jesus on his deathbed. Jesus is literally being tried. He's been beaten and he's bloody. And Peter standing within earshot. Jesus, he can see Jesus. Jesus can see him. He's standing there saying, I do not know this man. I swear upon it, I don't know Jesus. And there's Jesus bleeding for Peter and for you and for me, right? And Peter, just absolutely shamed and broken, finds himself out fishing one day and and, uh, Jesus, uh, risen from the dead after his crucifixion, uh, shows up on shore and he cooks a meal and he invites Peter over. And he asked Peter, uh, do you love me? And Peter says, I do love you. And, and, uh, and Jesus says, okay, then feed my sheep. What's fascinating is this, this little transfer. Uh, from the position of love, from the posture of love that Peter's claiming in, in, towards Jesus, Jesus says, okay, if you love me, then put it into action. It's not a feeling. It's not just words you say. Jesus says, to love me means to feed my sheep. And that, in really simple terms, just means caring for Christian community. Go and and participate in what I'm doing in this world. That's John's account of calling. Go and feed my sheep. Our love for Jesus propels us into the world to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love people the way he has loved us. Uh, Matthew, one of the other gospel accounts, uh, writes out just like a really clear and distinct uh, calling that, that Jesus gave to his followers. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Uh, Jesus came to them and he said, this is again after resurrection, final words to his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, there's this universal calling uh, to missions to what God is doing in this world. And I mentioned earlier that my understanding of missions has changed a lot over the years. When I used to sit on missions committees in churches, uh, we would talk about what we need to be doing with the funds to be doing missions, right? But my understanding of missions has changed drastically as I've come to understand the entire scope of Scripture to be the story of a God on mission, a God in pursuit of humanity. It begins with this poetry about a God that lovingly created in a garden and then he walked with humanity, but then sin came into the world and and, and severed this relationship. Humanity chose their own path, but God would not give up. So God lived in mission in pursuit of humanity. He calls a man named Abraham who will become the Israelite nation. And he says, I'm going to bless the world through you. I have not given up on humanity. And then in this like ultimate moment of mission and effort, God sends his son or himself in reality to take the consequence of all this sin that has brought such harm in the world so that he could again walk with humanity like he did in the beginning. And so we are invited to know the presence of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit in in new and rich, rich ways. Uh, But God's mission has not ended in this world. We won't see the fruition of walking in a garden with God until new creation, until this next life. And so, so here we are in this interim time. And missions to me now speaks of not what do I do with money to be on mission or, or to, or, 
I won't go any further there. What it does mean to me is this. God is at work in our community. He is at work in your neighborhood. He is at work in your workplace. And he is inviting us to come alongside him and partner in his mission. It's not ours. It's not something we determine. You see, God's already at work. And and the greatest things will be accomplished when we align ourselves with what a God on mission is doing in the world around us. So I want you to ask yourself as we conclude today, what does missions look like? Uh, what is partnering with God and bringing about reconciliation and healing in this world? What does it look like to partner with God in that? And I'd propose first we think in our family context. Maybe it's our immediate family and, and household. What does it look like to partner with a God who is bringing healing and relationship and hope within our family? What does it look like to partner with God in our extended families? And I know that we're, we're probably drawn to think about a family member that's really anti-Christianity. It's not our job to beat them over the head or fix anything. Like, God is at work in their lives. It is our invitation to choose the posture of Jesus in these relationships, to partner with God as people's eyes are open to the good news and to the hope that's found in Jesus. Similarly, we might ask ourselves, in, in my friend groups, what does it look like? to partner with God in bringing about healing and restoration in these places, certainly in our workplaces. And that's a hard one because many of us are burnt out and tired of being in that place. So how in the world would I posture myself like Jesus and take on a servant attitude and care about the needs of others? But God is inviting us to missions. God is inviting, and and let me say one last thing. I forgot to say this earlier. Um, Not all of us are going to be called to church planting or full-time vocational ministry, but some of us are. And I just want to say, in this room, there's likely people that God is inviting into uh, into full-time. Like, will you partner with me in in working in churches and working in a nonprofit and working in very specific ways uh, to partner with me in in my kingdom coming and and God's will being done on this earth? Uh, But not all of us will. And so let's not assume that's all of our calling. Many of us are called to work in other places. But God is inviting each of us in whatever context, in whatever the future, future holds to partner with him and bringing about that healing and restoration in the world. So I'd encourage us today, ask yourself, what does it look like to be in partnership with God in his mission and bringing about his healing and wholeness in this world? Let's pray about that and we'll close. God, we thank you for this day and a time to be together. God, we're uh, grateful that uh, you are a God of love and a God of mission, a God that uh, in the Tri-Cities, in Seattle, in each of our neighborhoods and workplaces, God, that, that you are at work and, and that in your rich, rich love, you are desiring to bring about healing and wholeness and restoration for people in those places. God, open our eyes to where and how we can partner with you in the beautiful work you're accomplishing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.